0: So there are a lot of hidden ROIs to podcast guesting that most people just completely neglect and they show up transactionally. They show up as a vampire who's there to like suck what they can out of the host in the audience. And then they move on to the next one.
1: Welcome to the Everything is Influence podcast. This podcast is dedicated to help you understand why human beings do the things they do and ultimately how you can work with human psychology, to influence change and get people to do what you want them to. Whether this is your clients, your prospects, your kids, your spouse, or anyone you come into contact with, this show will give you the tools of influence so that you can become more, unlock your true potential, and serve even more powerfully than you already do. My name is Eli Wilde. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Everything is Influence podcast, where on each and every episode, we take an amazing entrepreneur, dig into their journey, kind of where they've come from and what they're doing now. And as always, we're going to dig into the four levels of influence. Ultimately, what has influenced this person to shape who they are, how do they see the process of influence, taking what's inside of them and transferring that to another human being that's level two influence level three influence, doing that at scale, and then level four influence, how do they manage their life, their business, and really get their influence out there to the world through people and process and systems. And so those are the four levels of influence and let's dig into it. So without any further ado, Ms. Christine McAllister, how are you? How's your day?
0: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Eli.
1: Yeah. And you, um, you know, so it's really relevant for me as we were just talking about this. And so context for everybody listening here, um, I am a salesperson, a person of influence and kind of my missing link has been the marketing piece. And we've all heard of podcasts, obviously you're listening to one right now. Um, and they do seem to be a great marketing tool to get um, people connected to us and our stories. And I love listening to podcasts. And so podcasts doing them well most podcasts don't survive. Uh, people have great missions; they start out and they don't last after some through so many episodes. Um, Christine helps with that, and she shows people how to monetize and get their messages out there and just make it really cool. So I'm really interested in this conversation for a personal uh, reason because obviously I have a podcast and I want to get more people listening to it. So we're going to dig into that. But before we do, um, I would like to start out with you on level four influence. So what do you do right now? How do you influence the world? Kind of give everybody, um, just let them know what you do right now. What's your business?
0: Yeah. So my business life with passion helps entrepreneurs to use their voice specifically on podcasts as really great guests who also get an ROI. So there are a lot of hidden ROIs to podcast guesting that most people just completely neglect and they show up transactionally, they show up as a vampire who's there to like suck what they can out of the host in the audience. And then they move on to the next one. And what I've discovered is that when you show up as a connecting human, who is there to make it a win, win, win for everyone involved, then one conversation can become the center of your organic marketing for a month. It can also, of course, get you high ticket clients. It's the best way to do that. And it can create a whole new inner circle for you and open doors that you wouldn't have gotten any other way than showing up as a, as a best guest.
1: So you help people be that best guest, get booked on shows. And that's, and that's what you do. You show people what, not what to say in their podcast, but teach them how to connect
0: and monetize. Absolutely. So what I found is, and I have some amazing highly paid public speakers as clients because they realize that they're amazing at commanding a stage, but podcasting is a very different stage. This is your stage. This is not my stage. So if I Mm -hmm. show up like it's my stage, the audience showed up because of you. They don't know who I am. Like Mm -hmm. you're transferring no like and trust and endorsing me by saying like, I'm having Christine on, I'm paying to edit this, this episode and promote this episode and host this episode. So you should listen to her because I think it's a valuable conversation. No, I don't have, I don't have to prove to anybody that this is a valuable conversation. You've already done that by nature of me inviting, are you inviting me onto your stage? But the way Mm -hmm. that most guests show up is like, I'm so great. Let me talk about me. And it's a one-way conversation. Well, that's boring for the people who are here for you, Eli. Like they want to hear more from you, even if it's an interview at some point, they're like, okay, this person, like, when are they going to stop talking? When am I going to get to hear from the person I'm a super fan of? Mm. Right. So it's a nuance that most people completely miss because they're too focused on getting their talking points across, you know, delivering their signature talk in the form of an interview, whatever it is. And I want to be a little bit disruptive about this and go like, let's actually bring connection and relationships and conversation to an industry mm-hmm. that's that's exploding. And let's do that like one conversation, one interview at a time.
1: So that was gonna be my my question. You've kind of answered it. What makes a great podcast guest? If somebody's a guest, they engage in dialogue, don't make it all about themselves. What else makes a, a great guest?
0: Yeah. I, I like to think about it as like either a first date or a, a coffee conversation. So if you can shift mm-hmm. the, the energy in your mind to how would you show up on a first date that you are really excited to have with someone or a new potential collaboration partner, biz bestie, whatever. You mm-hmm. use this word. You're going to be curious, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like there's stuff I want to know about you that I haven't asked you yet that if it comes up in conversation, I'm going to give myself permission to do that, right? As opposed to just, again, going, this is the Christine song and dance show. When you show up Mm -hmm. differently than any other guest, the audience follows you off of the episode more than they've ever followed another guest because the host responded to you differently than any other guest.
1: Mm, That's powerful. That's powerful. I'm going to take some notes on that because I'm getting asked to guests all the time. Uh, and I can definitely dominate the conversation um, for sure. <laughs> Cause I'm used to just being on stage and exactly. it's usually me. Um, yeah, that's, that's powerful. So as a guest, should you ask questions of the host as well?
0: I like to, okay. I'm going to give you like a couple of questions that you can ask if this feels relevant to you or anybody listening that Probably more people will be doing that once they listen to it here because, you know, people listen to your podcast. Um, but I like to know a little bit more about the podcast before we hit record. So okay. you and I doing, did an interview swap. So I asked these questions of you before you went on my show. I want to know what you're selling. I want to oh. know who's listening. I want to customize our conversation to that. Right? Mm-hmm. There are some big names. That when they go on a podcast tour, they launch a book or they launch a new program or whatever. You listen to one, you listen to all of them. Yeah, They're all the same. It's like they have their talking points, their bullets right here. And it's like a politician, no matter what question gets asked, they're going to answer with whatever they want. That's boring for somebody who wants to follow you around and podcast stalk you. Right? They're not making it past the beginning of the second interview. Mm -hmm. But again, think about it like a date or a connection call, genuine interest. Like, how can I serve? What do you have going on that maybe I can make a connection for? And this Mm -hmm. also implies that you're only going on podcasts where there's a legitimate connection, not like, oh, I think that person is gross and I'm just going on to get in front of their audience. Right. Like there, there needs to be alignment there for this to work. So it speaks Mm -hmm. to, you need to be a certain type of human for it to work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, it's taking the values of what I believe it means to be a good human, a good um, entrepreneur who does business with folks who are congruent and in alignment and just applying them to this very specific new medium.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Podcasts, Are great. I didn't, I didn't think they'd take off like they have. And I, you know, I was on John Lee Dumas' podcast, as I said, and it was years ago and I saw what some other big names had done. And I was like, you know, this is kind of the hot new thing. It's not going to last, but it's just podcasts are awesome. And I listen to them and they're great. Um, Yeah. So, I've got some notes here that I need to install into my guesting of me. So, um, kind of give each one of us, I, I like to tell everybody who you are, what you're doing now, but let's go back a bit. Um, level one influence, if you will, which is basically how you see the process of influence and what have been your biggest influences. Let's start there. Um, how, what has been the most influential parts of your life. Like, how have you become this person? Like, what led you here? What have been the biggest influences in your life? And kind of what shaped you? Mm.
0: I think for me, it's a largely a remembering of who I came, who I came here as. So Mm. if you looked at my life from the outside, it would be Christine's an oldest type A high achiever, all the books, all all the scholarships, all the awards all the medals at high school graduation. Also, like I need to be a people pleaser. I need to be kind. I need to be self-sacrificing because that's what it means to be a woman in the environment that I grew up in as I interpreted it. Mm -hmm. So I played by all the rules. I did everything right. And my assumption was that that would mean I would have a happy life. And I was also playing very small until I Uh, that probably the biggest influence in my life that maybe the person I am today uh, was in early 2015, after a perfect pregnancy, I went to the doctor's office to find out when I was going to go into labor. And they told me that my baby had no heartbeat. Mm. And I didn't even know that that was a thing that could happen. Like, that doesn't happen once you make it past the first trimester, you're good. Once you make past this point, your baby can survive in the NICU. La, 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 la. And mm-hmm. I had to go straight to the hospital to be induced. And mm-hmm. nine months pregnant, I'm being handed brochures on how to plan a baby's funeral with a big belly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the shock and the trauma and the overwhelm of that experience kind of burned everything to the ground, I guess you could say that was my, you know, the start of my Phoenix moment. And I became really aware that I was going to go down one of two paths. I was going to find a way to make some meaning out of this, or I was going to numb out for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't, and don't judge people who do that. It is an impossible thing to figure out how to live with. It's a very backwards experience of loss, right? and I I became determined to make something good out of it. And to use this as my moment to realize I'd always had these huge dreams. I've been playing small. The worst thing that I could ever imagine happening had happened. I was still here. There was nothing to fear, right? So what am I going to do now? You know, why am I scared of what other people think anymore? Mm. Uh, And so that is what got me into personal development. That's what got me into using my voice, showing up more powerfully, right? That's what got me over the fear of making my first post about you know my new business, a new iteration of my business because I'd been in business for 10 years at that point. And, Mm -hmm. uh, And that's a huge part of what drives me today is like, we're all, the folks that are in my world and that I choose to support have really important missions. They might not be the loudest people in the room, but they're doing or they might not have the biggest ad, but they're doing work that matters to uplift humanity. And if they can share that through powerful conversations with, you know, this medium that's consumed differently than any other one, which is, I yeah. think, one of the reasons it converts so well when it's done right, um, no. then, then I get to be a part of, of bettering the world and of honoring my daughter's legacy and, and creating one for myself.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, I can't, I can't imagine that, I, you know, it's, and we always say, you know, information doesn't change your lives. experiences do. And, you know, there's experiences, like you said, there's one or two paths, they can disempower you or they can empower you. Um, was that like an immediate thing where you this disempower you and said, you know, or, or what was that process like? Because when people go through a, any dark experience, there's, you know, there's, all, you know, there's this period of you kind of, Manif- creating a new meaning, you know, is to piggyback off the book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, you know, the process that we go through to try and create an empowering meaning, was that instant for you? Or was that mm. just something like you in for a bit?
0: Yeah. You know, I think up to that point, I had this I'd struggled with depression and anxiety and an eating disorder. And I also looked around at my life and judged myself for struggling with those things because I had been, I had been given a lot of privilege and I'd been given a lot of opportunity. And so, in my worldview, I shouldn't be struggling. But then there was also part of me that was like, well, I don't really have a dramatic story. You know, I don't have this turning point. Like, The testimonies that I would hear up in the churches that I grew up in of where they came before and after, and so Mm -hmm. I made myself wrong for that too, and I also didn't really know how to accept help because I was an oldest type A. Right? What do you do? You take care of everyone else and you take care of yourself, and you don't realize that you don't really know yourself, at least for me. And I can remember in the weeks after she died, people were trying to do things for me, like bring meals mm-hmm. or what can we do? And I, I said, well, they shouldn't give me meals. Cause my, I, I don't have a baby. Like I can cook. I have, I have my hands free. No, And it was like, I was told people want to do something and they know there's nothing they can do. Just let them do it. Right, Mm. And so I think the first part of it was like actually learning to accept help for the first time in my life Mm. and then actually giving myself permission to grieve and feel emotion as opposed to like, you shouldn't be these things because X, Y, Z hasn't happened. I was like, oh no, this is actually something that I could give myself permission to feel around. Yeah, And then it became like, well, am I just going to sit here and drink or am I going to go again? Like things were fine. I'd replace my income. I was doing online marketing for people's fine, but I knew that I was here to be on stages and I was here to impact world leaders. And I had had those opportunities. I got to be a part of broadcasting the Olympics for the IOC three times. I oh. um, was on the ice, you know, with Michelle Kwan and Apollo Anton Ono. And like had these incredible experiences and had done a documentary for PBS that had aired nationally and won some international awards. And I had had these glimpses of like, Christine is here for stories on a global stage. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, are you, are you going to step it back up? Are you going to, are you going to be here for impact? And of course income so that you can do things like give money away to people who are suffering with similar losses and, you know, and support them, um, et cetera. And so I would say it was in the long way of saying it was in the months that followed. I hired my very first coach. So about four months after she passed and, mm-hmm. and basically never looked back.
1: Amazing. You know, it's, it's interesting. We're in these four levels of influence. You know, the second level is taking what's inside of you That could be your vision, your mission, your empathy, whatever, and transferring that to another person. And it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting you've been able to do that, but also at the scale, our level three influence, um, you know, and I think where, when we were just talking about this, a lot of people get it, get it wrong. They do it kind of like to follow a process or to get likes or whatever, but if it's something authentic on your heart, that is your real experience, it's your unique thing and it's your uh understanding of it your unique point of view and if we can make that an empowering thing for ourselves and others that's a mission because other people are in pain connecting with their, their own story and they they they're freed through yours and then they share theirs and it's kind of this ripple effect and so that's that's what you've created here um really beautiful with this business you hired a coach and they pushed you to get out there, bigger stages, doing more marketing for you? What was, what's kind of that process of how you actually, um, cause you already had a business and this significant moment made you play a bigger game, create different connections, new frameworks. Um, what was the process? Because a business, as we know, by definition is a system that provides value. And so a lot of people do have the mission and the concepts and all that, but to make it a business, it needs to be a system that can ideally work without you to provide value for others at scale. So that's, that's where we're going here. What was the process for you um, taking this concept for a lot of people, they go to the event they're like, just got to share your mission. Well, then we've got to, you know, there's some some marketing and some sales and some delivery and you know, it's, it's a thing. So you already understood marketing and you have this mission on your heart. What was the process for you in making a business out of this? If that I know that was a really long question. Yeah, probably. I love it. <laughs> I, I
0: I think similarly to you, it started or what you've shared with me, it started with vision. Yeah. So I knew that I was in the background of a lot of people's businesses, making them, generating a lot of leads for them. I had been a professor of media and at age 23, and I had. Counseled a lot of students on careers, and I had—I was in grad school at the third school to get Facebook when it was only—I think one of their first hires had been a grad. What's that?
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. What school was that? Baylor. Baylor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you from uh, Texas yourself?
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Before the Gaineses, actually. Small world. I was in a church small group with Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, okay. before they had kids. When I was in grad school, and uh, obviously before they were Magnolia and before Waco is was what it is now. Uh, okay. And it was, you know, it was this whole idea of tying together. When I hired that first coach, I had been doing the whole like. I don't know if you ever did this, but I did a lot of um, listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, etc. on a CD for free from the library, thinking that that was like yep. my personal development, right? Driving around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really began to look at what were the parts of the online marketing business that tied into being a professor that tied into advising and career counseling that tied into what people were asking of me and that I was trying to get people to do like friends and family that really had no interest in it. Right. And so it started out with me coaching essentially on what I knew. I was coaching all these business owners to on strategy and to then align what we did on the back end with their goals, but they were coming to me for ads or Facebook strategy or the things that I knew a website, whatever it was. And then I started going, well, this is the thing that actually I could do all day for free, right? Yeah. Where does that combine with what people want? It started with me helping uh, a lot of people to quit their jobs and start their own businesses online. That was something I knew how to do. I wound up having like a 75% success rate of folks who came to me in jobs quitting. Uh, I looked up and realized that one day. And then as I grew the business, you know, the, the results I was helping people get grew and I really developed this way of going on podcasts that then people started asking me to teach. And I'd been blogging and I'd been on like the Today Show blog and I'd been on Huffington Post and like had a little email exchange with Ariana Huffington. And I had these little like influencer hits, you know, DM exchanges, stuff like that, that was they're really fun and, and got featured in places. And I I kind of stayed in my box like maybe like you and you're like, well, I'm selling for Tony and I've, I've, I've won that game. Now, how do I do my own thing, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm a business coach. Sure, I'll teach these influencers who are asking. I'll teach their audiences my approach to guesting for free. And then I'll go back here and I'll business coach. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot. Andrew Kruzy and his team were part of this. John Lee Dumas was part of this, of really calling me up and out and going, this is the thing. This Nobody is else thing. is doing it like this, right? Like just like you, you're the only person in the world who can do what you do in the way that you do it with the experience that you have, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I see myself as this person who can literally, who literally has worked with the top athletes from the entire world, who has interviewed billionaires and Fortune 100 folks and done documentaries and all this stuff and can translate this to working with a solopreneur or working with uh, an executive at the highest level who wants to grow their brand, right? Because that doesn't intimidate me, and everybody's story matters. Uh, and so it just it very naturally, organically evolved as I did my own work to get out of my own way.
1: Wow. and you created a business out of this, and you work with some amazing people, helping them, you know, do this. Uh, how do you how do you get clients? You know, for a, a technical. Imagine you use the face the or the uh, the in your podcast, yeah, to drive people somewhere, is that like to a Facebook group and and what is so so where does where do they go? So also that's the question I should ask at the end. Where do yeah. people go to find you? But let's ask it now because you're yeah. showing people this and you're doing this yourself. So where one, where do people go to find you? Let's start there.
0: Yeah, so I have a checklist that talks about how to be a great guest, and that's the best okay. place to go, and that also gets you into my world. Uh, you can grab it at lifewithpassion.com checklist.
1: I'm going to download that myself. That's <laughs> awesome because I want to be a great guest. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had seen it before we did our podcast. Today it's, it's <laughs> a work on in the future. And, you know, and so you, you mentioned to people that they can, so the, so then the people that you train, that you tell them to tell their listeners to go to a place where they can get a free lead magnet, PDF, downloadable, easily consumable thing. And that's how you're getting leads.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of the ways. So a lot of times there are three reasons why people don't see an ROI from podcast guesting. And like, I hear every day, oh, I went on a bunch of podcasts and uh, it was fun, but I didn't see anything for my business from it. And the reasons are some combination of it was the wrong show, wrong audience. It, it was, you did not show up powerfully for that audience in a memorable way. And, or you didn't create what we call podcast offer alignment, where you give people a reason to follow you off. Like they might fall in love with you, but if at the end, when the host asks, where can people find you? You go, well, I'm on Instagram and here's my website. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook. And so wherever you, wherever you are in there too, Well, you're not giving people one place to go, right? Like when you sell from stage, you're not giving people a bunch of options. I have seen this. You're like, here's the thing, it's certain, right? Don't create any overwhelm in our overwhelmed brains, right? Give them a reason, sell something for free that directly ties in with the conversation that you just had. And that gives people another win based on the value that they just experienced from you. Yep. So there's got to be alignment, right? And then uh, that, of course, aligns with your uh, the, the way that you welcome incoming leads. That's different for everybody,
1: right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if
0: they're not going to get nurtured the way that my leads get nurtured, like, why would I tell you to do it the way I do it, right? So you, you got to create a system or use something that you already have that's proven uh, that moves people in a way that it makes sense for your business and the way that you're set up.
1: Yeah. So many light bulbs, so many things I'm not doing right now. Uh, And if you're listening, you're probably not doing these things at that level as well. Um, So that's great. Tell us a little bit about your company. You've got uh, yourself, you're not an army of one, you got a team. So you basically, uh, you do the marketing through, which is a great platform for people to learn this because uh, it's basically free advertising and people get to connect with you in a long form way, not a $200 per person to get a viewer and sales call, VSL or webinar, which aren't yeah. converting very, very well anymore. So this is a, it's a different, it's a different thing. Um, so that syntax is basically, they you have a reason to go off and get a valuable, consumable, relatable thing that gives them a quick win. Um, And then from there, there's a nurture sequence of people reaching out to them, talking to them, and eventually driving them to a sales call. Would that be it?
0: Yeah. Again, it depends on how your business is set up, right? Like I'm a person who likes to practice a lot of detachment. And I think you teach sales in this way too, right? You think about Think about client acquisition with detachment as opposed to dying of attachment on a sales call and having a panic attack about whether or not they're going to say yes, right? (laughs) Which I definitely went through early on. Uh, But basically my belief is like, I want to make this accessible to everyone is how my business is structured. So we have a free checklist. We have a $97 training that walks people through everything that they could piecemeal together for free, right? People, it's DIY. DIY then we have it done with you and we have it done for you. And so it just depends on what your mix of resources is at the time. It's all the same approach. It's all the same method, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just what works for you and your business. Because I've seen people with no email list get a high ticket client from every appearance they go on. And I've seen yeah. people who are a little more practiced make $200,000 from three appearances, right? And so it works if you show up authentically, if you provide value. And, and to your point about what my business looks like now, that's kind of our whole, our whole values as a team, our, our service, because that's how I roll, right? Yeah. And um, so I've got an amazing COO who runs our internal agency, I have a part-time closer who people actually thank me for having sales conversations with because she's such a beautiful human. Don't poach her, please, Eli. Um, (laughs) And, um, and I'm really, really lucky. Um, I know you've just you've gone through a process over the last year where you've been grieving the loss of your father. And I'm so sorry. And I love that you got that, that tattoo to honor him. It's very memorable. Yeah. I love that. I am so inspired by that. Um, About a year ago, I got really sick with long COVID and my dad was retired from being a right hand, essentially integrator to some very highly successful, uh, more corporate businesses. He came in and would, they weren't fun anymore. And the CEO would say, fix it. You have a year to fix it. If it's not fun in a year, shut it down. I'm shutting it down. And he would do that. And I just, I watched him. He's so talented And he would consult at times. He was a consultant for an NFL, like Super Bowl winning head coach. And he started a NASCAR team and he did all these really cool things. Marketing was his edge. He's Mm. such a heartfelt, heart-centered, sensitive guy that he just had a really hard time putting himself out there and could never do it consistently. And so it was always a dream of mine to have him on my team. So when I got sick and I couldn't figure out how to work in the business, it was mental health for me and my adrenals crashed. I went to him like in tears and I was like, can you like look at spreadsheets and stuff? Can you do the businessy stuff right now? Cause I can barely get on the computer to do an interview. And that's what I love. Mm -hmm. And he was like, there's nothing I'd rather do Christine. So for the last year, he's been helping us to scale this business, um, and bring in some of his like corporate knowledge into the online space. And, uh, and yeah, so it's my dad and the ladies, um, and then a couple of awesome, like admin research assistants, um, in the background who, who support us and our clients.
1: That's amazing. You know, you, you've covered so much here. Uh, if somebody, you know, wanted to start a podcast and wanted to use this as a tool because so many podcasts fail, like they don't last past. What's, what's the number? What's the statistic? You eight, know, or right to me. eight or I nine. Eight
0: or nine. I've made it like eight or nine. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, why? Why do people give up? Why do they stop? What's What's going on there?
0: It's a huge project, and yeah. it's it's a very you know, it's a Never. very shiny object. There are a hundred thousand podcasts launching every month right now.
1: Launching, wow!
0: Like the industry has grown more than fifty percent in terms of number of shows in the last year, wow. and all of these huge companies are making big plays, right? Like Mark Cuban spoke at the big conference that um, happens every August last year. He's speaking again this month, next week. I'm going to see him, right? Like big names, big companies are investing heavily into audio only. And also like, as opposed to video streaming, which we hear a lot about also there's a very low barrier to entry. You could start a podcast with earbuds and an internet connection, right? For free. And so people go in with great intentions, not realizing essentially to me, you're starting a new business, Mm -hmm. right? It's a new production. It requires an enormous amount of consistency. It requires its own marketing. It requires its own project management and it requires its own strategy for monetization. And Mm -hmm. most people don't think about all of that. You know, I, I was on over a hundred podcasts as a guest before I ever started my own, even though people told me all the time I should because I have a background in production. I know yeah. what it takes to bring a show to life, whether it's audio, video, what film, whatever. And I was like, I'm not doing all that. I've been there, done that, sat up all night in the editing room. I'm not starting my own podcast until I can figure out how to uh, repurpose stuff, how to make it really fun. And I have the money to hire somebody else to do all the things that I have graduated from doing. <laughs> I don't think that's the... Um, the thought process of most people, just they just don't have the experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly don't. So this, is I, I'm curious about this. How important are things like um, camera? You know, I've got a new setup in my place. And so if I leave my camera plugged in too long, my computer dies because I don't <laughs> have all the ports. And so I've just got my Facebook camera on right now. And so I'm obviously not very well versed in the production. I don't have fancy mics and blue and red lights and stuff. Like you see some people like like a Lewis house or you know John Lee Dumas. And but you see when they started out it was really plain. And you know, some people have studios, um, like Tom Billio, Impact Theory. Um how important is the production side, your personal story, the branding? Like, you know, for somebody starting out, like what should be their main focus to to have a successful podcast
0: there's a lot like you said there's a lot yeah i think it depends on your definition of success so yeah. somebody messaged me a ceo messaged me last night and said hey christine essentially like my founder wants to start a podcast can you tell me all of the reasons why it is as much work as starting another business because we have other priorities right now and i don't think they understand that right and I think the most important thing is to know, like in business speak, what's the play? So is it that you are, want to increase your network? Is it that you want more video content? Is it that, you know, this is going to become the center of your organic marketing, right? Because we have seen how like you and I could take this conversation, put it into whatever we're promoting the month after it comes out, and have all of our clips and audiograms and video and all the things, if we choose to use it, have would be a huge credibility and authority builder that we could repurpose yeah. instead of grinding out new content all the time, which most of us have a tendency to do, right?
1: Do you hire out somebody to go back, watch through the video, find those clips and, and send them out, like repurpose?
0: Yeah. So we've had enough people to ask us to do that, that we've created that as an arm of the company. Um, There are lots of other people who do it. You, It's got to, just like creating pitches to go on podcasts, it's a particular skill set that not somebody who maybe organizes your email is going to naturally know how to do. They have to be able to choose the sound bites. They have to be able to choose great in and out points. They have to be able to, you know, add graphics. They have to be able to, how does this fit in my promo cycle? What different types, long form, short form, all the things you and I know about content to create a holistic kind of profile, call to action, belief shifting, all the things, right? There's a lot to yeah. it and you can either be involved in it or you can hire someone else to do it. Right. Um, but if you're trying to get less on your plate and you know, yeah. you have these great conversations, that could be a good way to do it. And also to further your influence, perhaps with a person where you guessed it because you can tag them on those, uh, Posts and thank them for having you, and talk about what a great conversation it was, and sell without selling, as a result yeah. of 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 doing that. Um, I'm
1: essentially none of that. I know it's super important, but you know, with me being you know, I've been asked to do it myself, but we hired somebody, and sometimes the people don't find the right clips or they're not right. that good. Um, as a guest, or even as the the person putting it on, how important is it is it for letting those moments happen organically versus planning them. And so with like, with a lot of great speakers, they, they know, say they've got an eight hour similar, they're going to do, they will plan 30 second sound bites and there's things they say all the time. And so they have, um, and one of the things I teach for the speaking thing, you have kind of these priming statements that lead into like a big idea. Here's the thing. Bottom line is this. If there's one thing you get, it's this, this is the biggest mistake people are making right now that is costing them money. And so these are hook points, powerful thing. And it's usually kind of aspirational, you need to step up because there's like an external pressure and an internal pressure. You need to commit more, be more, raise your standard, which is like an internal. And so there's a, there's a science to all of that and I can do it on the stage. And I know that they're gonna take some of that and I can say, hey, when I said this, go back in there, this. But podcasting is a bit more of or an organic type conversation where that might even kill the flow of the thing, you know, so it's, it's different. Very
0: wisely said it is, it's so different. It it does require quite a bit of nuance, right? Both in, we talk about like, I taught speech as a professor, right? They would have been much better to have you that obviously teaching them than me, but I saw it as a confidence building course, instead of like, I'm gonna sit in the back of the room and count your filler words, like the person I took it over for, uh, because these kids felt like they were gonna die getting up in front of their peers, right? So when I think about it, I think about how can you most authentically come across essentially extemporaneously, right? Mm. Where you're comfortable and confident enough in your topics, your expert topics that you're not going to have a panic attack when you get asked a question and go blank. But if someone asks you a question you've never been asked before, you've prepared yourself with some prompts or you give yourself permission to take a deep breath and reflect And give an honest answer, knowing that stuff can be edited and post and that what stands out is for people to feel you just like on the stage, right? The delivery, the energy is what people are going to remember more than the words in the script. And so how do you be present?
1: How do you, how do you coach on that? So it's one thing to say, be present, be authentic. And then people kind of, they have fear, self-doubt, how do you get people to that place? Cause you know, when you're starting out also you want to see what other people are doing and then your voice ends up becoming, you know, affected or, you know, infected by even a really positive voice, but it's not the authentic voice. How do you get somebody to, to find that inside of them?
0: Mm. Well, you mentioned this on our interview. It's a lot of nervous system regulation,
1: it right? Is. Yeah.
0: This is a different level of showing up than, uh, typing up a post and deleting it five times and typing it again, and right? like Or posting it and then going back and rereading it and editing it and adding emojis and blah, 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 right? So usually when people are, by the time they have gotten enough confidence in themselves to show up on an interview where they're probably not gonna have the questions ahead of time and they trust themselves to have an answer that doesn't sound stupid because they've already done the work, They probably have worked with clients, right? They're at a certain point in their journey where they know, like, you know, I can show up on stage and deliver the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And just like what you coach on with sales and with, with speaking powerfully and delivering your message in those types of conversations and stages and interactions, this is a lifetime skill, right? It is a skill that like... So to answer your question, I'm going to meet people where they are. And we joke all the time that at some point, like, yes, we do expert topic extraction. Yes, we talk about the most common questions and how to answer them. Yes, we talk about how to embed stories that silently sell right into your Mm -hmm. answers because we learn through story. At some point also, it is a, what is the size of stage that we need to put you on so that you can do it and know that you didn't die so that you will do it again? Right, mm-hmm. like, and for a lot of people, if they're just starting out, it's a small one. Like, if we're going to do a TV appearance, like you probably your first gig was probably not getting cast as Superman, right? Like, you yeah. probably had done some other auditions before that, right?
1: That that was the thing. That was my first real you know, thing, and that's yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'll tell you the whole story. I, I'll share it on here sometime, but yeah, I just kind of fell into it. I, my ex girlfriend, I had reconnected her with a guy that I had met. Who was the manager for Tom Welling, who's Superman on Smallville, Jim Carrey, this this kind of firm. And the day they turned down Tom for the role of Superman in the movie, he's like, I think you'd be great. Let's take you through, let's do some screen tests and train you. And then did good. And then I kind of it's like it was becoming more real. And the more real it became, the more, you know, stuff I started to not show up for.
0: <laughs> like a self-sabotage <laughs> and, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's and that started my self-development journey because I got really curious because because you know, we can talk about principles be passionate uh, you know be authentic and then there's the principles like be disciplined uh, be persistent but there's an emotional energy and an identity that's driving the principle there's the essence of the human being and if their energy or essence is blocked or stifled or or restricted or you know or very low uh, that's that is not going to penetrate the market or another human being in a way that's meaningful and so, a big part of it is increasing our own energy, you know, and being aligning with an energy or a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. Cause that's going to expand us, expand our identity. And so that, that energy work is, it was as is woo woo as it sounds. I've, I've kind of come, you know, I started there and then mm-hmm. I completely put it away. Cause I was like, just give me the stuff what to say, like, just give me the thing. Like, just tell me what to say. <laughs> just give me, just give me the thing, you know, like, I, and that's, you know, it's a lot of times people, we deal as entrepreneurs with the people that are starting out in their journey and they, then they're frustrated and are like, well, just give me the thing. <laughs> I'm like, give, the strategy, well, give just me the strategy. Just give me the this tool. Give me the scripts, you know? Yep. And that's why I start off my, my seminars a lot and you see me do this and say, here's me working for Tony. We had the same script, same words, same products, same price points, same everything. We said the same words, but you can see one person's sales are significantly like three X more than everybody else's. And I was working half as much. And I'm like, so there's, would you all admit, you know, and you guys tell me from your own experience, can two people say the same things, have the same offer, same client, but get a diff- very different result in a relationship? Two guys can go up to the same girl, get a very different response. So it's not so much about what's said, as if you actually are the person, you can actually say a lot less. Right. Feel the need a lot less. So it all changes. Yeah. And that, that embodiment of something. So I've come full circle with it. And I was, I was up late last night going through some TRE exercises uh, just right here on my yoga mat. And I was thinking about it, you know, just as entrepreneurs, especially salespeople though, people don't talk about it, you know, in the business of being an entrepreneur, you're in the business of solving problems as the entrepreneur. But as a salesperson, you're the front line having conversations like in it with dealing with people's shit. So you've got to get into their problem and some people have a problem with sharing their problem. And so like you're in so much stuff and then then you've got another call in an hour and then you've got family and as long as a salesperson, you're getting calls at nine o'clock at night, people responding, you're following up. It's a lot to deal with. And it's, you know, being a salesperson, being in it. It's, I think something everybody should do. It's, it is spiritual as we talked about to transform stress and energy and pain into solutions in one conversation to give people hope. Where they have pain, so you, but you can't just sell the hope, and you can't just sell the pain. It's like it's transformative. It's amazing, you know. And it's got to lead to a result. And and there's an exchange of of energy or currency, you know. And it's it's and they they only they vote with their dollars because of the value. And there's value in the offer, but there's value in the person. And so, how do we communicate that? It's it's just fascinating. So, yeah, I could talk to you about this all day long, and. Um, just for time's sake, um, I'm gonna ask a couple more questions. One, uh, where can people go to find you? I know we already asked it, but say it again. Life with Pat, go ahead. Yeah,
0: lifewithpassion.com/checklist. It's where you can okay. grab. We talked about like a lot of the principles here. This is where you're gonna get the nitty gritty of how to be that top one percent podcast guest that gets you asked back. That creates a great conversation that stands out and that also attracts the right people into your audience and onto your clientele list.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to check that out like today, uh, right away. And I suggest everybody else do that as well. Uh, Cause this whole essence of being great in conversation, like a coffee date you said really powerful. And so I was reflecting back as you say, saying that I get asked to do so many presentations and paid Facebook groups, free Facebook groups. I have one today. And uh, I typically dominate these conversations. So I'll uh, be a lot more mindful now. So this is, this is great. This has been great for me. Um, Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you on this podcast so far?
0: Mm, Great question. I would say Where's the best place to start if you've never been a podcast guest or how do you choose the kind of shows that you go on? How do you know which ones are the right shows?
1: Yeah. Okay. How
0: and do you know? The answer is a lot more nuanced than the way that most people think about it. So for you or I, we might go in and think about, well, I just want to get on the biggest business shows, right? Where entrepreneurs are listening because that's, that's who we serve. Mm-hmm. But what I often find is that your ancillary audience angles, these places where you can come in not as one of many, even though like for you, Eli, like your background, the credibility and all of that, you're, you're not one of many, right? Like you stand out once people hear your experience. For most of us, um, to be able to position yourself on a show where you're not one of many, but you're like the only, you're the go-to. Some of the most money that I have made as a guest um, has been on shows where we weren't talking strategy. We weren't even really talking about my business apart from like, oh, that's the thing that Christine does as part of her life. We we're talking about my story. Mm-hmm. And people were like, literally, I don't even know how to work with you, but I want to, yeah. right? What do you have? Like instant creation of a super fan is one of my copywriting friends says like, This is the fastest way to go take someone from cold to sold, right? One conversation. So, really expanding your horizons around the right shows and also not being too good to go on smaller shows Mm -hmm. because a podcast that has 50 of your ideal clients is going to get you a bigger ROI than the masses who don't have the interest or the funds or the right energy to invest with you. And most people think about it, right? Like I talked to an author who said I was a regular on the Today Show. I've been on Oprah multiple times. I've been in Good Morning America. Those appearances barely sold my books. she got a big Mm. business. Barely sold my books, much less got me high ticket clients. And I was like, Really? tell Mm. me more, like what did? And she said, being a guest on podcasts, that's Mm. it. So that belief shift is so different than what we hear in the online marketing space. And also being willing to go, well, would it make sense? Would it make sense for me to connect with the host in and of itself? And for that to get to be edited and shared, even if it's not a top hundred podcast, would it make sense from this angle? Would it make sense from this angle? And I think Those are the kinds of things to start to study and think about, um, from the other angles and just size of the audience that can really, really move the needle for your business.
1: Wow. That's huge. Um, last one, kind of a bonus thing. So for me, like when I started my podcast, um, first person I reach out to is Tony Robbins. I text him, he responds back, back. He had just done with his book tour. He'd done like 22 podcasts in a day. And they'll they'll rent out like a room in New York, or whatever. And people like they'll book out like thirty minutes. Like he's done, I know he's had times where he's done like over thirty podcasts in a day, um, and done TV interviews all in one day. So it's quite rigid, and it's pretty much the same thing on each one because he's really clear and he's got an agenda, um, and he's just really busy. And so, uh, you know, and twice, and I, he kind of I don't want to say vetted you, but he he said he has somebody that books, everything, all of this stuff for him. Cause he's busy. He's like, Oh, I want to do it. Let me connect you with so-and-so. And she, one of the first things she asked me was like, well, how many downloads you get? And I was like, well, you know, they're just starting out They're None so far, but I'm going to do this. And, um, I can promise you a million unique downloads cause I'll put marketing behind it and you can help me with it. You know? So I sent them all this stuff and they didn't get back to me. And then I messaged, I text Tony again on his birthday, maybe like two weeks later, late February, uh, the 29th. And, uh, right away, that marketing team responded back to me. So obviously Tony said to them, Hey, uh, where's it at with Eli? And then they vetted me some more. And then it just, I followed up a few more times and they just kind of fell off. And I'm sure it's because my, my listeners are, you know, I just don't have a mass thing. So I'm kind of in this, this unique place where I can go really deep and specific and not go big, or I could do the production, get like a Tom Billyu, Lewis House type studio and do a thing and get like, you know, top name guests and, and all of that stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of back and forth with it. Do what do I want to make this? And as I move into a new place, I can make a studio in there. And so I'm a little bit, you know, kind of, I don't want to say conflicted, but I do want to have the big thing. And I do want, you know, to be a good guest, which requires me to go off of my own thing and be on their thing. And so for somebody like me, what, what advice would you give me? Cause I really just want to get this, this new way of selling Selling doesn't have to be cheating and transactional. It can be transformational. And I want to connect and show people this process and have authentic conversations with other people of influence on how they became more influential. Um, and I think, but at the same time, leveraging big names like a Tony or a Gary V, we we're going to do an event together. So I've, I've got like a Jordan Peterson. I've, I'm like, either have all these people on my cell phone right now, or I'm one degree of separation where I know like their main people like, so I'm I'm like there for these big names, but I don't have the audience to already have the big names. So it's like, I want both. What, what should I do? (laughs) Great
0: question. I think on both sides and these two, these intersect, but I think on both sides, it's about value, right? So where are you bringing value as a guest? Because that is the number one way to grow your own podcast to get yourself those downloads that you're talking about, because people listening to a podcast listen to other podcasts, like you said, right? Like you listen to podcasts, you love podcasts, right? So if your call to action at the end is go subscribe to my podcast, go subscribe to my podcast, everything is influence. So do that right now, and this is what you're going to find over there, right? If you like this conversation, you'll let my podcast instant, right? Numbers, downloads, all the things. Um. So as a guest, like if you have a podcast, guesting should be part of your strategy. You don't have to have a podcast to be a great guest, but if you have a podcast, you should consistently be going on other podcasts in order to grow your own. Hmm. If in terms of your podcast, it's how can you bring value to those big names? A lot Hmm. of times... They don't care how big your show is if there's a personal relationship and they're launching a new book yeah. or a new program, something that you can affiliate for across your socials to your email list, to your, right? Like if they're booking a press junket, I mean, you watch somebody like um, every time the rock and Kevin Hart do a new movie together. I, I love to study their press junkets because they have their own shtick and because yeah. they say yes to such a variety of press. And what comes out of it are these unique conversations because of the way that they choose to show up, right? And the people that they choose to have interview them.
1: Yeah. So, and they're fun.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like next time Tony has a book coming out, you might get a very different response if you're like, I'll be in New York on this day. Like, here's the, here's the context. Here's my marketing plan. You know, here are the other people I've already interviewed, Right. But it's got to be the right timing for, for them to see it as a value. Otherwise, yeah, yeah they're plan to year out, whatever the thing is.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm going to keep abreast of that. Yeah. It's, I'm, the day that he had done like those 22 podcasts was the day that I text him and he was, was like three in the morning. He gets back to me, his voice is gone. And he's like, well, you're, 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 you're. but he's like, I want to do it. You know, just, but you know, let's do this and that, but yeah, I'm, I'll plan it out better. Um, yeah. I've got, Jordan Peterson back and forth too. So yeah. Yeah. I have met Gary D a bunch of times. So yeah, it's, it's coming, but yeah, we want to just get this out there. And yeah, I, I, I dig this. Uh, I'm going to make it a point to be a better guest, download your checklist and get myself uh, on more podcasts myself as a guest. The last thing I want to bring up and be a respectful of your time one, of, I guess this is like my competitive nature. I think like if I promote my podcast and somebody's podcast, they're going to be scared that I'm going to take their listeners from their podcast to my podcast. Is that just a ridiculous thought?
0: It depends on how you show up. So okay. one of the reasons that podcast hosts, some podcast hosts have started charging to appear yep. on their show is because of how 99% of people show up which is exactly what you said. They show up to grab audience Mm -hmm. and run, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about how differently will you show up on someone's podcast if you want to be asked back, if you want to potentially create a JV affiliate referral partnership with them, if you would like to be invited into a mastermind that they're hosting on a retreat to sell from the stage for them, how differently are you going to show up in that one conversation than you would if it was just an audience grab. Right. Yeah. You're probably really going to actually invest time, attention, energy, all of the things, instead of feeling like you just need to get a script out. Right. Cause you care. Yeah. And I think that that's how you sell as well, because from, from what I've seen and from what I've experienced, like you can hold all of the space for the pain and the pleasure and the goals and, to create a true transformation. That's what you do. That's what you teach. So I think it's like, that's the way most people show up. So it's a fair question. But Mm -hmm. also if you're learning this this new skill set of how to carry the congruency you have in your life and in your business and the way you do everything else into this particular stage, then you don't have to worry about that because you're Mm going to be showing up in a way where there's, enough for everybody, right? And competition is irrelevant.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I'm gonna write down that and get to it. I usually just I teach some awesome stuff, tell my story, kind of dominate for a bit, and the energy I show up with is often I'm really busy, which I am. I'm doing this as a favor to you, (laughs) which Which? I am. (laughs) And then I'm like, you know, it's like, hey, just doing this to add value to your people, but I'm really busy you know, and people say, "How do people reach out to you?" I'm like, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so yeah, probably probably uh, should think of that a little bit more. Um, yeah, being busy, it's interesting. You know, I I sit with this a lot the the time paradox. You know, to be present, but also it's like as entrepreneurs, we want to maximize our time. You know, and there's only so much time, and you know, I I have that anxiety sometimes. My father passed, and we think you know, there's this whole thing. There's only so many tomorrows type thing. And so I want to get it all in really quick, but also, you know, and, and I'm in a purpose to get it out there really quick, but then it disconnects me from myself and the person. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance because we always want to do more, help more, be more all that. But then there's, you know, bring it all into a, a moment. So Yeah. yeah, I think we all struggle with that sometimes. So that was a huge reminder for me.
0: Yeah. And also like we were talking about earlier, giving yourself the permission that like what happens in this one conversation could have so many different benefits from you investing one hour. So it's not yeah. just what happens when the thing gets released, right? It's like you could have spent you know, 20% of the time and you could get the 80% of the benefits by what you do to repurpose it, by what you do to put it in an email follow-up sequence that warms people up in your Facebook group and all of these other places where you're present to warm up people who are already in your pipeline without you having to write another post right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that host is endorsing you. And so I think it changes the conversation when you think about it being like an hour for an hour, but really more having these exponential benefits that ripple out and can be repurposed every quarter over time in perpetuity, because this thing is going to live online forever. I mean, it is algorithm proof, right? So you can keep using it as a marketing asset in many different ways.
1: That's huge. Awesome. I've got uh, a thing to do and I I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Again, it's lifewithpassion.com forward slash checklist.
0: Yep. Thank you.
1: I'm going to be going there right after this. So stay on for a minute, but for each one of you uh, listening, hopefully you got as much value, have as much value as I did out of this. I'm going to listen to this again and I'm going to get that checklist. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully just another reminder for each one of you to Be influential and authentically, passionately share what's inside of you with the world, being through stages, podcasts, sales calls, social media, whatever. But this is just a a huge exponential platform, podcasting, get on it and talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Everything is Influence podcast. If you got value from this episode, loved what you heard, and you want to go deeper into really understanding the core fundamentals of influence, then I have one more gift for you. I've put together a special training just for the listeners of this podcast that breaks down the four levels of influence and how to start using these tools in your life today. If you want that free training, then go to wildinfluence.com forward slash go. That's wildinfluence.com forward slash go that's wild with an E at the end, then influence.com forward slash go. All you need to do is enter your name, email, and phone number, and we will send that over to you straight away. Until the next time, my friend, this is Eli signing off from the Everything is Influence podcast.